RTD Live Talk, we are live. Excited to be back for another evening, another live stream. And today, got a special guest. And so before we move into that portion, want to take a second, acknowledge everyone's presence. And so once again, trying to do something different behind the scenes. So I have the need to make sure everything flows smoothly. So with that being the case, welcome to RTD Live Talk, Detroit's number one late night YouTube talk show. My name is Mike, the host. And excited to have you guys tune in. So if we have any new viewers, let me know where you're watching from right here in the chat. And then there's a number, 313-462-0027. Give us a call and let us know what's on your mind or if you have any questions for our guests. And so tonight is going to be a very important topic, I believe, because we're going to be talking about preparation and what it means to prepare from a practical standpoint as well as just a monetary standpoint and you name it. So going to be talking about food, water, energy, all those things that I've probably neglected diving into deep for myself because I've covered the monetary issues primarily but tonight we have a guest that uh, specializes in preparation so definitely looking forward to learning something myself so let me find out who's watching thus far we got Rumple still skin we got Duchess Eberlin Eberlin and we got Jeff Doors we got Jesse James we got uh Mayra we got Scotty El Monte the Q Allen okay Rainmaker Nathaniel Professor Curtis so Appreciate everybody tuning in. We got Born Gear Head from Madison, Wisconsin. We got Major from Vegas. So we got a couple people from around the country. So excited about that. So welcome to the live stream. So let me go right to the page and pull up the man himself. Mr. Alaska Prepper is in the building. So Alaska Prepper, how you doing, my friend? Good. How are you, Michael? I'm doing great, man. I appreciate you joining us this evening. And uh, as I was mentioning in the introduction, excited to have you on because preparation from just the, the, the nuts and bolts of what it means to prepare. I, I haven't done a good job of covering just because that's not necessarily I, I specialize in myself, but you do. So I'm excited to have you join us. And so is that. So before we dive any further, Alaska Prepper, for those that may not know who you are, give us a little bit of your background and how you've arrived at this point now. And, and so you're a YouTuber as well, content creator, educator. So give us a little bit of your background and how you've arrived at this point currently. Well, my wake-up process took quite a while. I served in the military, and on a trip home from leave, going on leave from Afghanistan, a friend of mine gave me a book to read on my way home. And the name of the book is called Confessions of an Economic Hitman, and it was written by John Perkins. Mm -hmm. So that reading that book pretty much started getting me into looking for answers instead of letting answers come to me. And that was the first thing that started to wake me up. It took a few years after that. And definitely after I read The Creature from Jekyll Island by G. Edward Griffith, uh, I was definitely woken up hmm. once I read that book. Amazing. And then it started me thinking on everything, the way that our system works. Uh, for example, our just-in-time system, uh, our just-in-time delivery system, our monetary system. Uh, how we treat other countries as far as weaponizing the U.S. dollar. And I thought to myself, the stock market, the economy, I thought to myself, there's too much duct tape holding this system together. Mm -hmm. If any one thing fails, the entire system is going to go down. So how am I supposed to protect my family if something like this happens? Because if you've seen enough hurricanes mm -hmm. and enough natural disasters, uh, you know that the government's not going to be there to protect you and to take care of you. Right. So I see it as a responsibility that I have to my family to do everything that I can do to provide them with some security in the form of food insurance, fuel insurance, insurance of many types mm -hmm. that will ensure that if something did happen that is out of my control, that I would be able to at least provide my family with a menial standard of living that would at least keep them alive, mm -hmm. well-fed, warm, and have the things that they need to live day to day until the system comes back up. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people look at the word prepper and they go back to doomsday preppers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that show really did a big injustice to people as far as encouraging them to be prepared uh, for two reasons. The first one is hello everyone. My they picked a lot of people to do that. that show that were, you know, kind of not there. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember seeing one of those shows where one of the preppers was a marauder. He said that 
if the system went down, he was going to become a marauder. You know, and that's just silly. Yeah. And uh, the second reason that I saw is that if you if you look back at those shows, every time that a scenario ended, the narrator of that show would always say, well, even though so-and-so is preparing for an economic collapse, the likelihood that an economic collapse would happen is very minimal, pretty much telling everyone, listen, you don't need to prepare. Mm-hmm. So we've been conditioned to think that there's someone who's going to take care of us. Yeah. Should something happen that is at a local level or systemic level? Hmm. And that's just not the fact. Yeah. Uh, people, all, they, all people have to do is be honest with themselves, look around, and ask themselves, if the lights went out tomorrow, who's going to come and turn them back on? And who's going to come and make sure that my family's fed? So like I said, it took me a few years to come to that realization. But once I did, I did my best to learn as much about everything when it comes to being prepared and being as self-reliant as I could be to ensure that my family is taken care of just in case something happens that's out of my control. Right. Well, okay. Great explanation there and way to lay lay a foundation. So I'm curious. And so I, I, I have witnessed as well as how here in the developed world, and so for those that may not have a chance to have traveled a little bit, they realize that, you know, we have a very privileged opportunity here to have groceries and everything we needed literally probably a mile from our house. But yet if, if there's a break in the logistic chain, as you referenced, then all hell would break loose because most people don't know how to sustain themselves. Nevertheless, you know, feed themselves outside of going down to the grocery store or to a restaurant. So let's get uh, into some of the nitty gritties on food. And so once again, <clears throat> This is all our opinion and as well as your strategies that you use to implement for yourself. What are some, give us some core foundational pieces that people can begin to understand about preparation when it comes to food. Sure. So the first thing people have to understand is this. Prepping is not hoarding, right? Hoarding is when you purchase things that you have no need for Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you never use it and you just pile it on. Yeah. That's the first thing people have to understand because people are very conscious about how others see them. I don't think that we ought to be, Mm -hmm. we should not care what anyone else thinks about us, Mm -hmm. right? Because we're all individuals. So let's get that one out of the way. But what I would say to someone that is a brand new prepper that is just starting out and is seriously considering starting to put away some food insurance. I always like to concentrate on food because everybody eats. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's something that everyone can relate to. So if, if someone came up to me and said, listen, I really want to get some really quick food insurance for my family. I want to start prepping, but I really want to get in a hurry some food insurance for my family. I would recommend that they get some dried goods. Uh, for example, rice beans, wheat berries, or, or wheat in the raw form. A lot of people don't even know what a wheat berry is, nah, right? I, I sure know oh, <laughs> so, see, so wheat, wheat berries is, is, how, is how your flower starts. It's how it comes out of the ground. Mm. It's a small berry that's then milled into flour, mm. all right? So, but wheat berries, in contrast to flour, store a lot longer. Uh, you can store wheat berries for 35, 40 years, and they'll still be good to consume without making you sick. Hmm. And it, it, it depends on how you store it. There is a process that you have to use to store it properly. And it is not a complicated process. It's extremely easy and inexpensive. Hmm. So I would recommend for people to start with those inexpensive dried goods that are still very readily available. You can go get a 50 pound bag of rice, which has around 84,000 calories at Costco or Sam's Club for $20. Hmm. You know, and some people say, well, I can't live on rice and beans. Well, I would like to disagree with that because there's many people in this world that live on one or two cups of rice a day. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not very healthy because they're malnutrition, but they're still alive. Yeah. And one of the things, one of the key things that you want to remember with preparedness is that the main reason you're doing it is so that you can stay alive, so that you can provide your body the nutrition that it needs to be able to do things, right? Mm-hmm. So. I would have them start with just the basic dried goods. Uh, I did a video not too long ago, and I, I'm not trying to plug my, my videos, but I just want to say that I did one not too long mm-hmm. ago, where I show that with $100, you can feed a family of four for like a month. Mm-hmm. 
So just by buying your basic dried goods and storing, a, storing them away in bulk five-gallon buckets, just take them, put them in a temperature-controlled room under your house or in a closet or something like that, and you know right there that that $100 just provided you and your family with about one month of food security, all right? So that's what I would say to the very beginner prepper who's really motivated to get some food insurance but maybe doesn't have the funds to go ahead and fill up their pantry in one shot. You know, they can take $100, which is a trip to the theater, you know, and, and do that. And then after that, what I recommend is that you just store what you eat. Buy what you eat and eat what you buy, right? So you go to your pantry. It, Michael, if there's a, a minor disturbance, it's maybe because my uh, wife and daughter are coming in the door. Okay? No, you, you're, try, you're good. Try to let them Don't worry about so, it, my friend. <laughs> so, so, so whatever your pantry has, and I love to use the corn. You know, I love to use corn because it's simple. Let's say in your working pantry, you know, the little pantry that most people have off their kitchen. Let's say that you have five cans of corn in there. But you know that in a year, you go through 12 cans of corn. Next time you go shopping, get seven cans of corn. And guess what? Now you've got enough corn for a year in your working pantry. And then take inventory of your pantry and take inventory of all of the things that you and your family consume and build up your working pantry little by little. I like to stay, say that slow and steady wins the race. It's not about going and buying everything in one shot and spending thousands of dollars. It's about going and steadily buying a little bit at a time, adding to your pantry until you're satisfied that you have enough food in there to last you the amount of time that you're comfortable with. Some people may think that a year is just too long. And some people may think that a month or two months is just fine, right? So, you know, it's just systematically, slowly, and steadily building up your pantry until you're satisfied that you have enough food to sustain you and your family for whatever given amount of time you feel is adequate, mm, right? Yeah. Once you've got your pantry taken care of, you know, and you've got a six-month supply or a year supply, then you can start concentrating on getting uh, other long-term food storage or storing more dried goods, storing more canned goods, that will last you beyond that. Uh, me personally, I have at least a two-year supply of food. If the stores were to close today, I would not have to go to the store to buy sustenance for two years. Mm. And let me tell you what, Michael, that's a great feeling. Yeah, but it is. It's a great feeling to know that your family will be taken care of should something like that happen. No, no, and oh. everything that... No, I'm sorry. No, no. So I, I like, I like, I like where we're going with this. And so one thing I noticed you mentioned several times is that insurance. You you refer to having a little bit more than what you need as insurance. And so there's different types of insurance, as you hinted at the very beginning. And so I want to get your thoughts on just the very concept of of prepper, because depending on who you ask, the in the mainstream economy, preppers are labeled as fanatics that are you know the tinfoil hats. They are saying the world. So. Sure. So Alaska Prepper is your name, and so you have a YouTube channel, and you're an educator. And so define Prepper in, in a sense that gives it a, a definition that everybody should be like, okay, that's, that's a lot different than the mainstream, so I want to be a Prepper too. Like, sure. Shine some positive light on it for me, and then let's touch on the insurance sure, aspect. Sure, that, that's, that's, very, that's a very easy uh, question to answer. First of all, if you're watching the mainstream media, ladies and gentlemen, you're wrong. <laughs> all right, you need to start watching more videos like this <laughs> and videos – uh, where people are actually talking to you the truth instead mm -hmm. of propagandizing you. Yeah. <laughs> so a prepper, Michael, is someone who is self, either self-reliant or on the path to being self-reliant. Mm. All right. You have to consider this. 120 years ago, the word prepper was not used. Mm. Why is that? Because 95% of Americans were farmers. They had to prep. Mm -hmm. That was their lifestyle. They lived the lifestyle of prepping. They had a deep larder with enough food there to sustain them for a year because they knew that if they had a failed harvest, that they were going to still need to eat. So they prepped all the time. That's how they lived. Well, now in the, you know, in 2019 or 2020 almost, where 90, where 120 years ago, 95% of Americans were farmers 
Today, only 3% of Americans are farmers. Mm. We have been taught to not take care of ourselves. We have been taught to rely on a system instead of ourselves. And people are slowly and surely realizing that they need to rely on themselves. So the word prepper to me is, it's a necessity. We needed a word. Mm -hmm. We needed a word to, to get people to wake up to the fact that you need to be prepared. Uh, Mm -hmm. But like I said, if you watch the mainstream media, that's why the word prepper is not a good word for you because you've been told that it's not a good word, that it's not a good thing. When in reality, 120 years ago, that is exactly how people live. They were preppers. Mm-hmm. And we've forgotten that. Yeah. Now, how did you come to the, how did you come to using the words insurance, food insurance, water insurance, you know, energy insurance? Like, how did you attach the word insurance to that? Because that, that, that gives it a very good connotation of why you're doing it. You're insuring yourself. But well, how did you come across that? Well, exactly for that same reason, because what you're doing is, is you're insuring that your family will be provided for should a, a part of the system or the entire system fall apart. Mm-hmm. And, and that's exactly what it is. People like, you know, when, when I talk to people about this, I always take it down to the kindergarten level. And I try to ask them, do you have a spare tire in your car? And they say, yes. I ask them, do you have, do you have insurance for your vehicle? Yes. Do you have insurance for your home? Yes. And I, and then I tell them, I says, then you're a prepper. The only <laughs> thing is, is you're a prepper at a different level than myself. Yeah. Because just having a spare tire in your car is a form of preparedness. Mm. Having insurance on your home in case something happens to it is a form of preparedness. So why not have insurance for the most important part of your life, which is your family? Think about it. Why would you buy car insurance and not have a two week or a one month or a three month supply of family is provided for in case the supermarkets close? Yeah. You know why, Michael? Because that's never going to happen. That's never gonna, The supermarkets are never going to close. The banks are never going to close. The economy is never going to falter. And, and, and I like to call that normalcy bias. Yeah. We are in an induced state of normalcy bias in this country and in most of the Western world. And normalcy bias is putting it in easy terms to understand is when you think that nothing's going to happen because it's never happened. Mm. So the last two generations have had it so easy in the U.S. and in the Western world that they're like, well, we've never had a serious economic collapse like like the Depression of 1929. Mm -hmm. It's not going to happen. They think it's not going to happen. Right. And you know what? I want to say this because this is one of the misconceptions that people do have about about preppers. Mm -hmm. And it's this. I hope that I am 100% wrong about how faltering the system is, about how weak our system is. I hope I'm 100% wrong. I I would love it if 20 years from now, someone's watching this video calling me a nutcase (laughs) because that means that nothing ever happened. Yeah. And I've got rice that I have to start eating before it goes bad. <laughs> you know, I, I hope that that's the case. Right. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, is that that's probably not the case. Mm-hmm. If if you study history, that's more than likely not the case. And if you look at what's going on in the world mm-hmm. and in our country, that's probably not the case. Mm-hmm. We have so many forces working against us that when those forces meet, it's going to be it's going to the balloon's going to pop really, really hard yeah. when all those forces meet. That's true. And, and to, to make it even more realistic for people who might be like, oh, these guys are off, they, off their minds. Just look at all the countries that are having issues now where once the, the monetary system and the fiscal policy aspects of the currency are of no use to people, the scramble. And so I, I've talked about several countries all the time where the grocery stores are emptying out. And so because of either hyperinflation, yeah. either because uh, the, the banking sector have issues. So there's there's always some type of contagion that can occur that could cause some type of brink in the chain of events that, you know, do, do, will disrupt our lives, unfortunately. So interesting. So I want to get your thoughts now on water. And so bread, man can't live on bread alone. You need some water. 
And so with sure. that being the case, what are you what are your thoughts for water storage? How do you get water, store water, all that stuff like that? All right. Well, that that's a great question. And before I say what I do, mm-hmm. I like to let people know that do your research, number one, mm-hmm. because we all live in different parts of the country where things are different. Mm-hmm. Where I live here in Alaska, getting water is very easy. Should the system go down and I have to get my own water, it'd be very easy to get. Mm-hmm. However, how potable is that water? That's the question. Uh, there's water everywhere here, mm-hmm. but how good is it to drink? And that's the question. So the first thing that I would recommend for anyone as far as preparing for water is to have a good water filter, mm-hmm. to have a good gravity water filter mm-hmm. that they can use. Because like I said, most people can find water, just how good is that water to drink? Mm-hmm. And now you're going to look at how much room you have because water is very heavy now, well, now before, and it takes sorry, up a lot of room. Before we go moving further, with the gravity, with the gravity filters, for those like, you know, what is he talking about? What is a gravity filter? What, what, what? Give us the, the nuts and bolts of a gravity sure. filter. So a gravity filter, I'm going to go ahead and use the Berkey water system because it's the most popular gravity fed filter mm-hmm. that there is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a filtration system that's made out of ceramic filters. Mm-hmm that you pour water in one bucket or in one of the containers that has the filters, Mm -hmm. the water filters through and falls down through gravity Mm -hmm. into another container that collects the water that's potable, Mm -hmm. the water that's been cleaned. So you have pretty much two buckets, one on top of the other. The top bucket has the filter elements, Mm -hmm. and then the bottom bucket collects the clean water that passes through the filter elements. Are there any different types of like... Feel like charcoal, dirt, or like are there any types of unique filters that last longer than others, or what? Just... Well, through my experience, mm-hmm. the Berkey filter elements, Berkey. okay, and this is my opinion, mm-hmm. are the best in the market. The Berkey, okay. Uh, I, I, I would recommend that mm-hmm. just yeah, I, I would recommend that for everyday use for 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 right now. You know how you guys had that problem in Detroit with the water being bad for years and the politicians never said anything Flint, until people is, started getting sick? Flint, which is about 45 minutes from Detroit, but Detroit is all the same water source, yeah. <laughs> so so for right now, for right now, I'm not going to recommend anything. I'm going to tell you what I do. Mm-hmm. I use what's called a reverse osmosis filtration system mm-hmm. that's hooked up to my sink mm-hmm. where I get water that's pretty much the purest water you can get. Because reverse osmosis is the second best form of water purification. Mm-hmm. The first is distillation. Is mm-hmm. if you distill water, that's the that's the cleanest form. Yeah. Reverse osmosis is the second best, mm-hmm. and uh, a reverse osmosis system will pretty much clean out ninety nine point nine 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 percent of whatever contaminants may be in your water. Mm-hmm. And that's a system, however, that has to work with pressure. Mm-hmm. And with pressure, you're more than likely going to need electricity. Yeah. So that's my everyday filtration system. I don't care how clean my county or city tells me the water is. I don't care. <laughs> I'm going to always have that filtration system. Mm-hmm. All right. Because I don't care what they say. I'm not going to believe it. I do my own tests on my water to make sure that that water is good. Mm-hmm. And I even test it against bottled water. And the water that comes out of my filtration system is cleaner than the bottled water. No. So... No, I'm sorry to cut you off. So I also I have a little water filtration center where you fill it up with the water. It goes to these big things. And, and so I did a, a test not long ago. I grabbed some Fiji water, like the Fiji water bottle, regular Myers water, tap water, and then my water and did the drops. And out of all the water, according to the alkaline and all the purity, whatever, the, the filtrated water from the little system I have, but I don't know the name of it, it was a gift. But it was it was better than all the bottled stuff. So I'm thinking like, man, even a bottled water depending on where you get it from is really yeah. not all that good itself. So yeah, sure. But that came to mind. So I'm sorry. Well, to the, you thing, the thing is, Michael, is that uh, most bottled water companies aren't even regulated. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of these bottled water companies, they take water out of a well or out of a tap, they put it in a bottle and they sell it to you. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not really regulated, you know, to the extent that other food products are. Yeah. So they're just putting whatever it is they put in there. Now that's what that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Yeah, right. I would agree. Uh, so, so like I said, for everyday use, my main water system, water filtration system for everyday use would be a reverse osmosis system. Mm-hmm. I, I am very very satisfied with the system I have. Not that expensive, a couple hundred dollars, mm-hmm. 
Uh, it took me maybe an hour to install it from beginning to end without even reading the instructions. Mm. So it's an easy thing to put up. Yeah. Uh, and then for for a backup, I would recommend a Berkey water system, mm-hmm. water filtration system, because in my opinion, they're the best gravity-fed system. Mm. And and like I said, I'm not try, trying to plug my videos, but I did a video mm-hmm. where I show people how to build their own system mm-hmm. with the Berkey filter elements yeah. for about one-third of the price that it would cost them to buy the biggest Berkey system. So you can do it yourself and save a lot of money and still have a product, meaning the water, that's just as good Mm -hmm. as if you would have paid $450 for the system brand new. You can build your own for about $150. Mm. So it's very easy to do. So yeah, so so you do you do it yourself type of guy. So definitely for those that are watching, go check out Alaska Prepper, his YouTube channel. You'll definitely get a chance to see for yourself how to do it yourself. So yeah, that's some good stuff, man. Now. Go ahead, you know, I'm Michael, yeah. I, I'm more motivated. I'm more motivated by money than I am by doing it myself. Mm-hmm. So when I started prepping, uh-huh. and, and this is why this is why I'm motivated by by yeah. money. When I started prepping, I started looking at everything like if it was rice. Mm. So, so when I look at a brand new water system for four hundred and fifty dollars, yeah, and I can do it myself for one hundred and fifty, yeah, I'm like, you know how much rice I can buy with three hundred dollars <laughs> and put away. Yeah, that makes sense, man. Because you can do a lot of things that's by saving. That's how I look at it. Yeah, that's good. Every every dollar I save is a dollar that I can use to add to my food insurance and insurance of other items. Now, mm-hmm. let me say this really quick: prepping is not just about food. Yeah. You know, all of the backups that I have for food, mm-hmm. I have for fuel. You know, I have for for energy, mm-hmm. for electrical energy, and things like that. But everyone has to start somewhere, and I don't like to overwhelm mm-hmm. someone into thinking that they can't do it right. because they can. It's just taking it slow. All right. So we got the dried food aspect, you know, start off with the basic stuff you already use and stuff that you can put in your pantry and just buy a little excess so that you, you can cover a little bit longer period of time in case you need it. Then we got the Berkey's gravity filter as a basic something to put there in case you need it. And so what about like storing water long term? Is there anything that's out there because I'm not familiar with my dang self. So how do you store it long term? Oh, there's a lot of things. Yes, there's a lot of things out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll tell you what I have. Under my house, I have two 500-gallon tanks. Mm-hmm. And the reason I have two 500-gallon tanks is because where I live, there is no water utility. Mm-hmm. I have to actually haul my own water, mm-hmm. pump it into my tanks, and then have my tanks there full. So at any one time, at, at, at any given time, I will always have at least 500 gallons of water. Mm-hmm. So should should the utilities where I get my water stop running mm-hmm. and I cannot get water from there anymore, mm-hmm. I will always have at least 500 gallons of water available to my family. And one gallon of water mm-hmm. per day per person, then that gives me enough water for my family to survive or to be sustained for roughly a hundred days. Mm. And, and then if that water were to run out because things were bad enough, I have my water filters that I can go collect water and put through my water filter. So that's me. Mm. If someone lives in an apartment, the very first thing I recommend that they do is get a good water filter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing is, is to start looking where they can store at least a month's supply of water. Yeah. You know, for one person, that's 30-gallon jugs. You can fit that under your bed. You know, you can probably fit, you know, 101-gallon jugs under your bed. Uh, look in your closet. If you have a garage, you can store some 55-gallon uh, barrels in there that are food-grade that you can fill up with water mm-hmm. and rotate it out every six months or so to ensure that the water doesn't become stagnant. Yeah. But I, I like to emphasize that everyone should have at least a water filter that they can filter out water with. Now, the Berkey water system is a little bit pricey. Mm-hmm. Uh, my second favorite water filtration system is a $21 filter called a Sawyer Mini. Sawyer it is an outstanding Mini. filter that yeah. has a ceramic uh, filtration unit inside. Yeah. And it will last your lifetime as long as you keep it clean. And it's mm-hmm. only $21. And that that can save your life. Yeah. You know, a twenty one dollar filter can save your life. Yeah. 
Wow, interesting. Okay, so we got food, we got water. Now let's get to energy. And so there's, you know, different types of energy. I'm assuming we got we got heat, we got just your lights, we got uh, the pot charge things or whatnot. What are some things that you utilize in, for beginners and the more advanced? Sure. So let's start with heat because you need heat to live. Mm-hmm. You know, if not, you'll freeze to death. Yeah. You need heat more than you need electricity. Yeah. So my, my setup consists of a fuel heater mm-hmm. that needs electricity to run. It's called a Toyo stove. It's, uh, it's made in Japan, and, and they're very popular here in Alaska mm-hmm. because they're very efficient, and they do a very good job in putting out good heat. Yeah. Uh, so my Toyo stove runs off of uh, fuel oil, which mm-hmm. is pretty much diesel oil. It's yeah. pretty much what it is. All right? And what I did was when I, when I made my system, I wanted to make sure – that I had the capacity to heat my home for two full winters if my tanks were full. Mm-hmm. So I made sure that at the beginning of every winter, my tanks are completely full. And I know that in the worst of worst situations, I know that those two tanks will get me through two full winters. Mm-hmm. Now, in addition to that, what I've done is, is since my Toyo stove runs on electricity, what I did was is I had a non-electric propane heater installed Mm -hmm. right next to my toyo stove and this heater is enough it's big enough to heat my entire house Mm -hmm. and then i had some propane tanks installed that would give me at least one year of heat should i have to revert to using that heater Mm -hmm. so in reality at any given point i have almost three years of heat to heat my house should the system go down uh, the next purchase that I'm going to make as far as a big prep item mm-hmm. will probably be a wood stove. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I haven't made that purchase yet is because there's really nowhere for me to put a wood stove in my house. Mm. So what I'm going to do is this next year, I'm going to try to build a small workshop and install the wood stove there. Mm-hmm. And Michael, it would really have to be the worst of the worst of the worst case scenarios for me to have to move that wood stove from my workshop and replace my Toyo stove heater. Yeah. I personally don't think, I I guess I would have to say hope. Mm -hmm. I personally hope that it would never come to that, but that is a purchase that I'm going to make because I want to make sure that if it ever does, that I will be able to provide heat for my family. But the thing that people have to remember here is is that the fuel that i have in reserves Mm -hmm. that's a buffer it's a buffer in case i need to revert to a wood stove Mm -hmm. and now what they have to remember about their food storage is that that's exactly what that is also your food storage is a buffer because your food storage will eventually run out depending on how long of a crisis runs for so you have to start to learn to be more self-reliant and not only rely on your food storage to get you through, meaning learn how to grow a garden, mm-hmm. learn how to raise some protein in the form of chickens, rabbits, pigs, things like that. Mm-hmm. And depending on where you live, that may be very challenging. But if you look into it, you could even grow rabbits inside of your garage. Rabbits are very quiet. Mm-hmm. They don't really make a lot of noise. They're very easy to raise. They have a really quick turnover. You know, it only takes a couple of months maybe for them to mature where you can harvest their meat. So, you know, there's a lot of things to think about. And really, depending on where you live and what your situation is, is going to dictate what course of action you need to take that is going to be the best for you and your family. Mm. Now, for energy, for electricity. Mm -hmm. So for electricity, what I have is I have a really big generator. That's one of those really big, noisy generators. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I did when I built my house is, is that. I went ahead and made it to where I can actually hook up that generator to my house's electrical system. And if the power ever goes out, it's just a matter of me going out to my backyard, turning on the generator, and then coming back to my house and turning back on all my circuits. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a way to do that. You got to make sure that your main circuit to the grid is shut down, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you turn on all, all the circuits in your house that you need to run on a minimal basis. Uh, For example, whenever I run my generator, I don't run my water heater. Mm -hmm. I don't run my dryer. You know, I run my refrigerator. I I run a few lights Mm -hmm. and I run the things that I need to run in order for us to be able to have heat and light. 
and water. And I make sure that my water pump is working, right? So I have a really big generator mm -hmm. that powers my whole house. Now, besides that, I have a backup to that generator, which is not as big in as, as far as wattage. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a, a backup to that one uh, that will still run my whole house. And it's just a little smaller, less expensive, but it will still run my whole house. The reason I got my first generator as a really big generator is just in case neighbors need to run a power line to my generator. Hmm. They can also run a power line and maybe have some lights and heat in their house. Yeah. Uh, because I have neighbors, they're not, they're not really far away, mm -hmm. but they're close enough to where they can run a, a one or 200 foot power line and at least have some lights and heat in their house. Yeah. Uh, so that's why I did that. Then I have a backup to, to the big generator. And then I have a backup to my medium-sized generator in the form of, of, of one of those small, <laughs> in the form of one of those small 2000 watt uh, Hondas or yeah. Yamahas. Yeah. And that generator would be enough to power my, my electric, you know, my heater, mm -hmm. my refrigerator, my lights, the yeah. very minimum. So you got a backup so to I have backup, backup to the backup. backup. Yeah. <laughs> and then I have a solar generator as a backup to all of that stuff. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm. But the solar generator doesn't work very well in the winter time. So, yeah. you know, that one I just keep charged all the time in case. Yeah. So, yeah, when it comes to energy over the last couple of uh more more times this year in particular, we've had more just accidental power outages. The wind would blow and the power goes out. And so apart sure. from that, never really experienced it. And so I went out and bought a little uh, solar power generator. And so I'm waiting on it to be delivered now so I can have it installed. And it's a bigger one. So, yeah, so I'm in the process now trying to figure out ways of doing the bare minimum basic stuff to get through. a. You know, I, I'm anticipating worst case scenario half a year. And so I'm thinking half Whoa, a year would be, be that would be terrible. That would be terrible. But I'm saying it'd be great to just be prepared for half a year, uh, just just to be self sustaining. Ideally, that's it. Just self sustaining, sure. even if it's not like a all flown, all blown out crisis. Self sustainability right, right. wise, just that's just the basic minimum to have for my family. So yes, I'm learning. So as you as you're mentioning these things, I'm I'm picking up ideas. So, uh, but one thing sure, I want to do, Michael, yeah, I go, wanna... ahead. go ahead. I wanted to mention something really quick that people do have to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. And before I say this, I want to go ahead and, and say this first. Mm -hmm. Now, I served in the military and I've been overseas and I've seen things, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and you're going to find that when you meet people that have been overseas, that they are not very violent. Mm -hmm. I'm not a very violent person. Mm -hmm. uh, but one thing that, that people do have to take into consideration as well is this. Mm -hmm. If you're going to go through the trouble of providing your family with food insurance, mm -hmm. with heat insurance, with energy insurance, and with the insurance of having all of the sustenance and stuff mm -hmm. that they need in order to get by on a daily basis, should something happen, yeah. then you really should consider having a way to be able to protect those things. Protection insurance. Because <laughs> why get all these things if you're just going to allow the toughest guy in the block to break down your door and knock you over the head and take it. Right, right. So, uh, like I said, I'm not a violent person. I'm not an advocate of violence. But mm -hmm. when things happen and people get desperate, mm -hmm. people revert back to what we used to be thousands of years ago. Mm -hmm. And thousands of years ago, humans were extremely violent, more so than today. Mm -hmm. And I believe that we still have that within our psyche uh, when bad things happen. So mm -hmm. why allow someone to come and neutralize you and take your stuff when you're the one that worked for it and you worked for it for a reason to make sure that your family had insurance to be able to get by in case something happens. Yeah. So that's something that people have to take into consideration and do whatever is in their best interest mm -hmm. and what they're comfortable with. I just thought that I said that because I think that is a very important thing. Yeah. I really don't cover that subject very much on my channel. Mm -hmm. Uh, because I know YouTube hates that kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. I think that my overall message is more important yeah. than me trying to just cover that subject. Yeah. Uh, but I do like to say that in that form uh, so that people can at least think about it and make up their minds as to what's best for them to do. All right. Fair enough. So we got food insurance, water insurance, energy insurance, and then insurance of all the other insurances in the form of protection insurance. So. Uh, and so, yeah. of course, everybody's unique situation, you know, you know, bearing arms uh, to protect yourself is, you know, it's a right that we have. Thank God at this current moment. And hopefully we retain that right for as long as we can. 
And so no need to really yeah. go into detail with that because everyone kind of knows what that means. So, right. um, but yeah, so as we've been talking back and forth, I saw a lot of activity in the chat. And so we have Alaska Prepper on. So if anybody has any questions or any thoughts or anything in particular in specifics, definitely let us know in the chat or definitely give us a call. 313-462-0027. We'll love to hear someone's voice and to get a question. And so someone, let me see, low blood pressure has a question. It says, Alaska Prepper, I've heard the biggest FEMA camp is very close to where you are in Alaska. What do you, any, any what, what's what's Alaska? I've never been to that part. So give me the rundown. And if you know about the FEMA situation, feel free to answer that as well. You know what? I've heard the same thing. Uh, I've never seen it. I've never tried to look for it mm-hmm. or anything like that. Uh, what I would have to say is this, is that in order for someone to be taken to a FEMA camp, it's going to be one of two ways. It's going to be voluntary or by force. And Alaska, at least Fairbanks, I know, Fairbanks, Alaska, is per capita the most armed city in the United States of America. And Alaskans are very reliant people mm-hmm. that like to take care of themselves. I don't see them getting in a bus yeah. and quietly going into the night because someone told them to do so. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree as well. So there are definitely people will put up a fight, I believe. So I, I think that kind of that that very concept is what probably has prolonged the whole idea of FEMA camps being becoming mainstay in a lot of cities. And so I've heard a lot about preparation throughout the years. I think it was like four or five years ago hearing about the government buying all types of ammunition and weapons and for whatever, whatever they're preparing for themselves. Uh, as of now, it doesn't look like that plan has worked out as well as they would like for it to, or we're just still early, who knows? But uh, right. yeah, something worth thinking about. Now, this one thing I have a question for you that it has nothing to do with preparation, but I'm curious because it's about uh, the state of Alaska and it's the whole... Um, the 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 dividend the payout aspect yeah the, yes give and if you don't mind give us the rundown of that because i've never sure. asked anybody for i don't know how it oh, goes lay it out for us because i know you guys get I, w- I would love yeah yeah i would love to educate people on this because i actually lost a subscriber because he thought that the pfd was money that was taken from someone else <laughs> and uh, and then redistributed you know uh-huh. and, and i'm totally against re- redistributing wealth you yeah. know i think that you should keep what you earn yeah. so what the the Alaska dividend is, is uh, back, and I might get my years off by a year or so, but back around 1981 or 1980, mm-hmm. uh, Alaska passed a law that said that a portion of the profits from the oil sales that come out of Alaska, mm-hmm. not just the oil sales, but the natural resource sales that come out of the ground of Alaska, mm-hmm. a portion of that is going to be put into a trust fund that cannot be touched by the government. And the interest that is earned on that trust fund on an annual basis will be divided by the number of people that are residents of Alaska and that qualify for that, uh, and that qualify for that dividend, it will be paid out to the people annually. Mm. So really what it is is the Alaska mineral rights is pretty much like if you have mineral, if you don't have mineral rights in your house, Mm -hmm. let's say you're out back gardening and you strike oil in your backyard, Mm -hmm. you don't have mineral rights to that oil, but Mm -hmm. the rights that you do have is rights to collect dividends from the people that pump that oil out of your ground. Mm -hmm. That's what the Alaska PFD is. It's Mm -hmm. the dividends that are put into that trust fund and then the interest that is derived from those from that trust fund on an annual basis is divvied up a, a, amongst the citizens or amongst the residents mm-hmm. of Alaska. It's not it's not a tax that people got taxed and then the money's redistributed. No one gets taxed for it. It's pure interest that's made on the dividends of a trust fund mm-hmm. that was accrued from the sale of natural resources from Alaska. And I personally think that that's how it should be for the entire country. Mm -hmm. Why should we let an oil company drill the oil out of our country, Mm -hmm. sell that oil, keep all the profits? That oil belongs to the American people. 
It doesn't belong to a company. And now that's my opinion, right. right? I'm all about starting a business. I'm all about working hard. I'm all about making it to the top of the rung of the ladder. Mm -hmm. But if a company is drilling oil out of our country, then we should, as a country, benefit from some of those sales or some of the profits that they're making yeah. because they're taking the blood out of our land. Right. You know, so, but you know what, that's, that's never going to happen, you know, so, yeah. so, um, uh, which, which but that's what the Alaska PFD is. Yeah. Well, yeah, thanks for clarifying that up and shining some light on that because I never knew the details of it, heard a lot about it. And I know that, uh, the, what's his name? Uh, Andrew Yang is, you know, basing his dividend concept, Patriot dividend, I think, whatever it is of, of taxing corporations to then give back to the people. Yeah. And he's saying that it's going to work well. So he's using that whole dividend aspect and he pointed at what's happening in Alaska to kind of paint a good narrative for what he wants to do. So right, yeah. And uh, he's, uh, he's misinterpreting that <laughs> and I wish he wouldn't do that. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I, one, there's one of the things I don't do on my channel, Michael <laughs> is I don't get into politics, Yeah. but let me tell you where I think He's wrong on that. Mm -hmm. A tax on corporations, for whatever reason, mm -hmm. is a tax on you and me. Yeah. Because I ain't never seen no corporation not pass down their expenses to the consumer. Right. So, uh, so when Michael, so when Michael starts making microchips uh -huh. or computer chips, and he gets taxed on that, guess what? Those computer chips that Michael sells. They're going to go up in that in price yeah, and bro. who's going to pay that you and me the consumer exactly so good luck with that <laughs> oh my goodness yeah it's unfortunate that people don't really end up seeing it that way and so the, just the whole trade tariff the taxation aspect and the fact you got the president going out and saying that yeah china's paying us extra for these tariffs when actuality, no. uh, I had uh, one of the one one of the members of the community uh, sent me some information and also chimed in saying that as a result of that, him importing from China, they basically they charged him the shipping cost went up as well as additional cost of the goods. So he basically passed it on to the consumer. So he's sure. like Mike. He's like Mike. Don't believe that. I'm paying more. Therefore, who I'm selling to is paying more. So that's a, that's the real right. deal. <laughs> Sure, and, and and can you blame can you blame the uh, can you blame the wholesaler? Right, you can't blame that right. guy. It's that guy's trying man. to make a living just like you and me. Exactly, and you so know, my, he's got to pass it on. My biggest thing is I wonder, like you know, how much longer will this whole concept of trade war continue on in the midst of all the other economic situ issues we're having, and they try to continue to paint a a, a, a productive, positive narrative around the fact that we're winning the trade war and we're. You know, whatever, 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 like that. They, they, I doubt that lasts much longer in 2020 because no, uh, his, no. his whole presidency has been a trade war, and nothing's really come out of it. And the markets sure. have go up and down, and so yeah, goes on and on and on. But uh. you know, un unfortunately, people don't understand that there are really no winners in a trade war. Mm -hmm. There's only losers. Yeah, Very and true. Uh, and you know, I, I am uh, like I said, I'm not into politics, but I do remember a candidate Trump mm -hmm. stating things that were the complete inverse of what he is championing now. Oh my goodness. You know, he's talking about how bad low interest rates are when he was the candidate Trump. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about how the stock market was a big bubble when he was candidate Trump. And now that he is president Trump, he's talking about how he would like to go to negative interest rates. Yeah. And 30, how he would 30, like 30, to steal the wealth from the average, <laughs> you know, yeah. How he would like I tell people when you hear negative interest rates, when you hear quantitative easing, mm -hmm. when you hear those terms, all they're doing is saying is I'm going to steal from you. Yeah. That's what those <laughs> words mean. You know, so now you hear him wanting to say, yeah, we need negative interest rates. We need lower interest rates. We need to do quantitative easing. All of those words mean that the government wants to steal from you and me. They want to steal our wealth because yeah. that is exactly what those three things do. Yeah. They steal our wealth. Yeah, that's true. So, oh man, so we've got a, we've had a great discussion on a lot of situations here. Unfortunately, you didn't get as many questions or thoughts because I think you laid it all out to where we got the basics of everything. So, Alaska Prepper. Oh, Michael, I yeah. can't believe it's already it's already been fifty two minutes. Exactly, and I'm like, we 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 got the basic stuff. So definitely, I, I would love to have you back on again for round two. 
of more advanced sure. stuff because once people digest the basics, hopefully for those that are watching, if you have not made some type of preparations, you've done something and you've been given some basic stuff as well as make sure you go subscribe to Alaska Prepper so you can get up to date as he produces videos regularly. So you guys will be in tune as to what's going on and just the, the bare minimum every so often adds up. It doesn't take much, as you referenced, it doesn't take much to put yourself in position to have ensured different areas of your lifestyle. So, And then we didn't talk about the financial side of things, with precious metals or whatnot on the financial side of things. But So yeah, there's all types of ways of reassuring yourself, which basically takes less responsibility off of the system and puts it on you where it belongs so that you can uh, basically right. be responsible for your own actions. So. Yeah, so with that being the case, Alaska Press, any last thoughts you want to leave us with as we get ready to dial down for this evening? Well, Michael, I always ask my guest or my host mm -hmm. uh, to allow me to sign out. Oh, yeah, please do. Go ahead. I don't mind. Sign out, my friend. All right. So, all right. So, first of all, hey, Michael, you know, uh, I'm not just blowing uh, smoke, uh -huh. but I just want to tell you that this has been the highlight, you know, of my YouTube career because... Uh, I've been following you for so long, and uh, to me, you're like a YouTube superstar. Oh man! So thank you very much for having me. When when, when you emailed me, I was like, no way, man! Are you serious? So thank you. I'm serious, man. I, no, I I'm getting right that, now. Man. So I appreciate that. So and, and... I really want to thank you. Yeah, yeah. I want to thank you for everything you do and waking up the masses, mm -hmm. you know, to what's going on in the monetary system and the economy. And I want to thank you for having me on today. I'll tell you what, time just went by real quick. Yeah, it does. And uh, fun, I, I always tell my people, I tell my people, time goes by quick when you're in good company. So thank yeah. you for having me. Yeah. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for those of you that are here. I've been trying to look at the screen over there every once in a while <laughs> uh, to see who's on there, but I, I don't want to take my face off the camera. Thank you very much for having me here. I'm going to go ahead and sign off. So remember to be good to each other. When good people do good things, good things happen. Remember to reach one, teach one, and repeat. If we all did this, the world would be a better place. And you know that it will be a better place. Definitely. definitely. Many blessings to all of you and your family. Thank you again, Michael. Yes, Have a sir. good night. Thank this you. is Alaska Prepper, and I am out. All right. Well, give me, hold on one second there as I sign off as well. So everybody, has been great hanging out for those that are sticking around. If you've enjoyed the information, don't be afraid to go beneath this video. Hit the thumbs up button to show your support for the channel. Go subscribe to Alaska Prepper. Do it be a blessing to him as well. And then if you found this informative, share this information with your family and friends so that they can begin preparing as well. And then also all the free resources you need beneath this video, books, emails, medals, whatever. And then if you want to be a blessing to the channel, become a Patreon. All that information is beneath as well. And then I'm going to sign off and leave you with this here. But other than that, be back tomorrow. 1.30 p.m. tomorrow, I have Adam Myers joining us, a forensic accountant. He's going to break down some real precise details on reserve creation, not money creation, but reserve creation. So you're going to want to not miss that tomorrow, 1.30 p.m. So other than that, everybody be blessed, be safe, and I'll see you guys later. Peace. Hey there. Sorry for this interruption, but I wanted to bring something to your attention. If you've been enjoying this live stream, why don't you partner with me and be a support to the channel via Patreon membership for just a minimum of $5 a month. All you have to do is scroll down beneath this video here, click the Patreon link, then consider donating as little as $5 a month toward the channel. A little bit of crumbs can go a long way, and I appreciate your support. Now, let's get back to this live stream.